Hello and welcome to In the News. I am your host, Crystal Carmen Stevens, and with us today is Father Bill Weary. Father Weary, how are you? Very well, Crystal. How are you doing? I am doing fantastically. Um, it's been a long time since we've seen each other, and I'm just really happy to see you. Yeah, likewise. Okay, so let's get started. Um, Ash Wednesday is coming, and I just thought we'd speak a little bit about Lent and what what do you, Father, what do you think we as Catholics should do to prepare ourselves for these next 40 days? Well, ramp up the prayer. Of course, I just have to mention this, the, the schizoid thing of uh, uh, Ash Wednesday falling on St. Valentine's Day. So it's going to be interesting to see how people play that, play that one out. Um, my suspicion is the general society is going to emphasize St. Valentine's Day. But in any case, um, and, you know, what a uh, contradiction, because Lent is, to a large extent, about self-deprivation uh, and self and self-sacrifice. Yeah. So I advocate um, doing that. The, the doing, do, some people say, well, just do something positive. And that's per perfectly legitimate. Do extra acts of charity. But in our self-indulgent society, I think there's something to be said for a Lenten resolution where you give up something that you like. And if uh, you spend less money thereby, to, uh, de you know, dedicate that money, donate that money to the poor or to the parish. Uh, prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, right? I mean, that's, that's right. That's I've made three. I've made a resolution. Um, less. Uh, I've been on uh, that Timu app, the app, the Chinese website where you buy really cheap stuff from China. So oh. yeah, so I, I I am giving it up for Lent. I've never been much of a shopper, Even it which, up. Is a, which is a blessing, uh, either brick and mortar walk in the store, uh, which I kind of miss. I kind of miss that as department stores close up or online. So uh, that would, you know, that's not been an, an issue with me, especially at my age where I'm trying to divest of things. Yes. And, and Lent is a, is a the divestiture season, a detachment where we are detaching ourselves from stuff. Yes. From things and attaching ourselves to God by prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. I would suggest people make a resolution for daily mass. You know, go, go make a, how's that for a resolution? That's an excellent yeah. resolution and it is There's on my list. There adoration and uh, daily mass. Once a week, adoration. Daily, daily mass. Daily mass. And uh, I've encountered people that, you know, make that Latin resolution and enjoy it so much that they, that they continue throughout the year. When I'm a daily, daily mass goer, I feel like I'm just such a better version of myself. Yes, that's right. So those are the, those are the tips for Lent. Excellent. And, uh, there is the aspect of, uh, and I'm going to segue into this right now, uh, of, of reconciliation, reconciliation with enemies, uh, ma making up with, with enemies. And I have to mention the Pope's reconciliation with the president of Argentina, his country, his nation. And uh, they had a very uh, scrappy uh, interchange, or actually it was kind of unilateral, that the, this uh, Javier Millier, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, president of Argentina, very right-wing, uh, calls himself an anarcho-capitalist, very much um, into, into the free market, and that sort of thing, called the Pope an imbecile at one point during his campaign, and was very critical of the Pope. But then just a few a few days ago, he came to Rome, the president of Argentina did for, for the the canonization of um, Mama Antula, 
is her name, the first female Argentinian saint. They had a wonderful reconciliation. Uh, the Pope, uh, you got to hand it to the guy. Beautiful. Uh, but he, he, he is very reconciliatory. And he, the, the two of them hugged the the president, brought uh, presents, with, gifts uh, with him, and uh, spoke very favorably. They sat down and talked for an hour um, after after the very nasty comments of the past during the, uh, the president's campaign, which he won. He won the election, a high number of votes. Um, so I just think that's a good example. I know that the Pope has also met with Cardinal Raymond Burke, who was uh, one of the Dubia Cardinals. Yes. Who, who had issued a, along with three other Cardinals, several years ago, about four years ago now, must be uh, four or five years ago, issued a... Um, a very, a very a document, very, a letter, very critical of the Pope's uh, theology, and uh, asking they asked for a, a meeting the four cardinals, and never got that until recently. At least a Burke did, and I was very happy to see that too. Neither of them would say what happened in the meeting. It was not real long, I think, uh, but they did have a sit down, and I was glad to see that. So, hey, Lent reconciliation, reconciliation, peace, good stuff. Very good stuff. Very good stuff. I've also made it a Lenten resolution to uh, a little, a lot less TV and a little more reading. That's great. Yeah, that is very good. I have a propensity to buy books and uh, let them sit for a bit. So I'm hoping to get through quite a few this Lenten season. Good for you. All Best right. So I came across this article in uh, what is this? CatholicCulture.org. It's called On the Nakedness and Temerity of Job and Ourselves. And I just thought that would be uh, something to talk about is uh, the story of Job, the story of uh, suffering and the good that suffering does for us. Right. Well, uh, definitely so. Uh, we, we, that was our gospel or that first reading last weekend mm -hmm. from, the, from the book of Job. And we speak about the patience of Job. However, Job does break down uh, early on in the book. At first, he hangs in there with the mm -hmm. suffering that sent his way. And then he does break down. And of course, the, the backstory is the argument between God and Satan, right? That is where, right. Where God, God says, look how good my servant Job is and, and Satan says, yeah, 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 big deal. Look at all the stuff he's got. Take some of that away. Second iteration is, uh, you know, and he hangs in there. With these terrible tragedies. Terrible um, tragedies. Take place um, in his life, most especially the, the death of his children uh, when that roof of a house collapses. And the uh, taking away house. of everything that he has. And everything he has. Everything. One of the and things this article points out to me, or pointed out to me, is that Job... He at first, you know, he he was quiet about it and, you know, he he accepted it. But then he starts to expect an explanation for, uh, from God yeah. as to why yeah. this is happening. That's right. And what was pointed out to me in this article is that we can't under that Job can't understand his relationship with God. He can't understand God's purpose or God's justice. We can't do that. Like we cannot expect an explanation from God as to why bad things happen. Is that right. true? Yes. And I love how the book ends where God shows up mm -hmm. and just yells at everybody. The three friends were, were kind of annoying, uh, giving lectures to Job. 
about you must have done something wrong. Repent, repent. Yeah, he said, I didn't just I didn't do anything wrong. The book is very revolutionary in a in a day and an age when that, that was a common thought. And yet you run across it today as well, that um if you if you're suffering a lot, you must have done something to deserve it. Sometimes it's true, sometimes it's not true. So it's it's very tricky to uh, make judgments on that. I do believe that sin does carry its own punishment. There's a recoil effect with sin where God doesn't really have to punish. Um, that um, that it, it just uh, is a consequence, carries its own consequences. But there are people who suffer innocently, plenty, uh, with natural disasters and, and, and diseases that they catch. Um, and we don't really we don't really know the answer. And I love God's speech when uh, his speeches, when he shows up, God says, where were you when I created the universe? Where yeah. were you when I uh, arranged for the birth of the mountain goats? And where were... Where were you when this, that, and the other thing? Are you, are you, are you running the universe? This or article also, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but this article also pointed out the fact that through Christ, we learn that suffering is redemptive. Yes. Well, we talk about take, take up your cross and follow me. And certainly Job had those crosses, although this was the Old Testament way before uh, the cross. Nevertheless, uh, Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. But I've, I've been thinking about uh, crosses. I, I said that to a small group of people recently, that the crosses in our lives are not so much punishments or even tests, maybe secondarily, but primarily they're assignments from God, where God says, would you do this for me? I need somebody to, to do this for me, to take on this suffering and to offer it up uh, for the world and for the intentions of others. So that others may see that there is a God and there is grace uh, through suffering by your cheerfulness, by your patience, mm. by your prayerfulness. So it's another way of looking at crosses. Uh, would you do this? Would you do this for me? It's like getting a, a certain project at work. The boss comes up to you and says, I need this done for the good of the company or for the uh, for the good of the effort or the order here. Would you would you take on this assignment? Maybe a Maybe it carries a promotion or a salary raise. Maybe it doesn't. But I need this. I need this done. And I think God says that with our sufferings, with our crosses, that when you go through them, uh, as a good example, patiently, and even if possible, cheerfully, uh, people are so impressed with that. And it gives, it gives evidence. It gives evidence of the existence of God and of God's grace. I take a class uh, with these uh, ladies in Ireland uh, via the Internet, via Zoom. Oh. And it's a it's a studying of the, the divine will writings of Louisa Picarella, Picaretta. Oh, OK. And that is very much we're only on book four. And but yeah, that is very much the whole gist of 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 living in the divine will is is taking up your cross cheerfully and offering it up, not just for yourself, but for all of humanity and offering it back to the Lord. You know, for, for everyone who doesn't. So that's that's a very good thing. And I love the story of Job and I love the prayer that begins it in Job 121. Naked, I came from my mother's womb and yeah. naked shall I return. The Lord the gave truth. and the Lord is taken away. Blessed yeah. be the name of the Lord. Or like Billy Graham says, I think it's a Billy Graham line. He said, I've never seen 
at a, in a funeral procession, a U-Haul it behind the hearse. Yes, that is you, right. Only the Egyptian U-Haul it. You leave it. It doesn't go with you. It all stays here. Uh, naked, we come into the world. Naked, we leave. And everything stays behind. Just our soul before Almighty God. Until the resurrection of the body, which is at the end of the world. Yes. Other than yes. that, we just leave everything behind. We leave everything behind. And it is a beautiful thought. It's it's a hard thought, I think, for a materialistic 21st century. But very, it's very hard. It's a thing. We can't take it with you. You know, all this stuff I like to buy on Temu, I can't take it with me. <laughs> <laughs> it's just plastic junk. All right. That's on right. that note, on that note, we're gonna take a break and we'll be right okay. back with the second part of in the news. Welcome back to In the News. I'm your host, Crystal Carmen Stevens, and Father Weary is with us. Hello. Father Weary, let us speak about um, Canada. I want to talk about Canada right now. March 17th, it is on the book that they are supposed to be able to start euthanizing people with mental disabilities. Right. But it's on hold right now because there aren't enough psychiatrists that are willing to sign off on this. So right now it's on hold. But the 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 ins and outs of this law are a little crazy to me right um, people with grievous and depression and other mental issues are allowed to resort to killing themselves uh-huh and well, it's called medical assistance in dying made, yes, made made and um it was legalized in canada uh, in 2016 mm -hmm. originally allowed for persons whose death was quote reasonably foreseeable, unquote, and suffering from a, quote, grievous and irremediable, irremediable medical condition. It was prohibited then for mental illness. In 2016. Yeah. But then uh, that was in 2016. And it's amazing um, how the slope is so slippery that by from 2016 to 2024, they have amended that bill to allow people with depression to be able to kill themselves. Grievous and irremediable depression. Yes. Uh, that's it. And you said that it correct. It's not going to it's delayed until 2027. Professor Tim Stainton of the Ca Canadian Institute for Inclusion and Citizenship Citizenship at the University of British Columbia has said made is the biggest threat to disabled people since the Nazi eugenics program in the 1930s. Pretty strong words. Uh, but there's 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 something to that. And I think they're expanding it to what they're calling mature minors, even minors. Yes. Who are, what is a mature who, minor? What does that mean? Yes. What does um, that mean? I, I don't know. There's and, no definition of that. I don't know what that means. Is that a physically mature minor or right or emotionally mature uh, minor? And uh, it's without so, parental consent, we must say. There's no yes. consent needed for a mature minor to kill themselves. Uh, that, 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 that's proposed. I don't think that's uh, that, that is not cast in stone yet. No. So uh, and the, and the call has gone out. Um, and in Virginia, the the Virginia bishops, uh, two Virginia bishops have spoken out about assist, uh, against assisted suicide. That's Bishop Michael Burbage, my seminary classmate from class of 1984, ordination class of 1984. I was ordained in Harrisburg, of course. He was ordained. I think it was the same day. Uh, mm -hmm. in, in Archdiocese of Philadelphia, his native uh, diocese, Bishop of Arlington now, and uh, uh, Bishop uh, Barry, uh, I'm not sure, if, I'm not sure I'm pronouncing this right, uh, Knestout, 
Nestout, I, I'm not sure how to pronounce that, Bishop of Richmond, Virginia, have come out with a joint statement because uh, there is a legislation in both the State House and the Senate of Virginia. Uh, the debate is coming up about assisted suicide becoming legal. Uh, February 5th, uh, both bishops, uh, in a message, joint message, implored the faithful to contact state senators, urging them to reject assisted suicide. So, and, and they said, uh, the two bishops, and I'm quoting here from their document, human life is sacred and must never be abandoned or discarded. People facing the end of life are in great need and must be accompanied with great care and attentiveness. Patients deserve high quality medical, palliative and hospital care, unquote. And that is that is so true. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not kill. Now, can we can we um, balance that out with the um, with the Democratic? Um, I can't remember her name. Uh, the, the person who introduced this bill and their quote in the article was that this bill is needed because of the trauma and suffering that often accompanies terminal illnesses. Yeah. Um, well, there's all kinds of rationalizations that are provided for this, and that definitely is one of them. And life is sacred. The human body is sacred. And I might mention along this line, not exactly the same thing, Bishop Burbage, and we mentioned this in our show, that um, he also came out with a strong statement against transgenderism uh, under the rubric of the of the sanctity of the body. Sure. And uh, we, we cannot directly attack human life. Uh, and that's true of life in the womb uh, or uh, whatever, womb to tomb, wh whatever. And then there is that case of the, uh, the, during the break, you and I talked about this, the uh, of the Dutch politic politician, uh, Christian, uh, Christian Democrat leader. The party is the Christian Democrats in Holland. Mm. He and a 93-year-old wife, they're both 93, uh, committed euthanasia dying hand in hand and putting themselves uh, to death. So it's becoming more and more accepted. And it is, it is very scary, especially when you're, you're moving it to, you know, depression comes and goes and our young, you know, our young people, if it's uh, made off, if it's offered to them, how scary is that? It's because frightening. As, as adults, we all go through moods and certainly as adolescents and, and, teens and minors as well. But um, as Billy Joel sang um, in one of his songs, don't forget your second wind. <laughs> and that was, don't forget your second wind that, you know, you get your second wind and uh, you, 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 you can recover from a depression and there's help available. Out there that loves you. Amen. No there's someone out there that loves you. Um, it boggles my mind, but 5% of the Netherlands, uh, their deaths are because of, physician-assisted suicide. Wow. 5%. In Canada, in British Columbia, and in Quebec, those provinces, 6.6% of deaths are from assisted suicides. 55 in British Columbia. Yes. And this, has, this, this bill has only been since 2016. It was 1% of deaths in 2007. I, how... As how do we justify that as as humans? Because we're not we I think we're programmed not to kill ourselves. Well, certainly there there would seem to be so that we have an urge for for life. And one of the antidotes I I think is community life and getting involved and 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 parish life as well, church life. Uh, 
attending attending liturgy, but also being involved in other aspects of the life of the parish. And I see it in my two parishes, people reaching out to one another and really all the ships rise in the tide, so to speak, uh, when we all uh, care for one another uh, or, or interact with one another. Even little things like coffee and donuts after mass yeah. can be a, a tremendous, can be a tremendous thing. Um, and I just want to segue into uh, something we, we talked about already. Of, of all things, uh, talk about parish life here, Las Vegas, Nevada. Sin City. It, yeah, having a, a boom of of parishioners, of uh, Catholics being very, very much prominent in, in the parishes, the, the big population surge of, of the parishes there. Confirmation classes are, are so big. 500, 500 children. Each year, they need a second bishop on some of, at some of the con- confirmations to keep lines moving. 200 some- children receiving First Communion in right. parishes. I mean, this is, this is mind-blowing numbers. There's a church there, St. Anne's, that has 40,000 parishioners. Well, uh, the Diocese of Las Vegas, it's an archdiocese now, just elevated to an archdiocese, has 750,000 people double from 1999, 1995. Wow. And in 1969, Clark County's population was 267,479. In 2022, 2,322,985. Wow. 768% growth in 53 years. Wow. During the same period, the state of Nevada grew uh, 562%, where the United States population grew 66%. Uh, what a thing. Who would have thunk it, right? I would never have. I Las Vegas has always been my on the list on the bottom as my least favorite city I've ever been to in America. Well, I, I want to go. I'd like to see it. Now I want to go. Yeah. I have a priest friend of mine I travel with. He doesn't want to go. He says, you know, the whole sin city thing. But um, I would like to just uh, go to, to see the place. And uh, it might not be as bad as people, as, as the reputation says, uh, but it might be. Uh, I, I don't know. Certainly parish life is flourishing there. God, and and that is that is just a wonderful thing. That is That is so good. Churches are so full that they have been given a dispensation at their cathedral to have a 2.30 p.m. vigil mass on Saturdays. Wow. How about that? Yeah, yeah. 4 p.m. is the the cutoff period uh, for most of the world, but they they got that dispensation. Speaking of Las Vegas, um, of course, people saw the, the, the Super Bowl. What an exciting game that was. And the kicker for the Kansas City Chiefs, I just wanted to mention this, uh, Harrison Butker, uh, who scored scored some points, uh, is a very devout Catholic. And he says uh, that the faith is very important to him. Quote, being Catholic is central to everything I do and everything I am, he told Fox News Digital. He says, I love being able to bring Catholic virtues into my business that I am involved in. And the business he's referring to is a menswear business, menswear. Um, And uh, he and two other guys uh, in Kansas City uh, have a menswear shop where they, um, and he says, and I'm quoting again from him, we're taking the incredible gift of God's creation and making beautiful fabrics and high quality garments from it. And And he's bringing Catholic values into the marketplace he says, by virtue of this 
of this venture. I love so, this story because it's very funny. Uh, just the other day, I was talking with my husband. We were talking about sport and we were bemoaning the lack of uh, people that you could look up to because they had good character. I I'm loving learning about this man. I did not yeah. know that he existed. Yes. Uh, and, and and so many of the entertainment figures are in the, in the, in the music industry and, and so many of the performers are just uh, vulgar, yeah. um, just so, um, so bad. So um, encouraging bad behavior in, in their lyrics and that sort of thing. And just and, in their presentation of themselves. Right. Exactly. You know? And so this is uh, this is very inspiring, no, no doubt about it. And uh, as a model for model for young people. Uh, and I'm I'm inspired by the, the, the young people who have come to the surface in my parishes just the last couple of years. Young man, I think I'm going to have one one young man. This is my first one ever. Go into seminary. Yes, congratulations. Yay. Yeah, I have to go write my letter of approval, letter of recommendation for him, which will be a shining, glowing uh, one, no doubt. But um, to see people of virtue in the entertainment industry is is so comforting. Mark Wahlberg was on one of the commercials for the Super Bowl. Encur he's an actor, mm -hmm. a prominent actor, encouraging, encouraging prayer. I think Jonathan Rumi uh, also made an appearance. Um, so the, these are stellar characters who just give a, a wonderful example of the faith and of virtue and sanctity. So God bless them. On that note, Father, we have to say goodbye. Can you give us a prayer? Lord God, Heavenly Father, we ask your blessings upon us. As we experience Lent, may it be a really good Lent, Lord, for all, all of us. May it change our hearts and may God, Almighty God bless you all. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. And thank you for listening to In the News. We'll be back next time. Bye-bye.